Hello and welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm your host, Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a self-help resource for people who are navigating herpes stigma. Um, it's 2023. <laughs> it's been six years now that I've been recording this podcast. And six years man like this is this is big for me because this is the longest i've ever done a thing i've quit jobs i've changed careers i've ended and started new relationships and yet somehow this of all things is the thing that i decided to be the most consistent with and i want to just thank everybody who has supported me along the way i know i'm always thanking people but this is a hard thing And yeah, I make it look easy, but it's not. It's really difficult to manage. It's a lot of things that I individually don't like that I have to do in order to continue doing the thing that I do like. There's accounting, there's tracking um, different things, the money that comes in and out, uh, being mindful of how the money is being spent, the vetting of people, the vetting of uh, therapist, podcast guests, running the podcast, the website. Uh, I, I've said this enough. If you've been following me for a while, then you already know what all goes into this. And I'm not about to just keep wasting airtime saying it over and over again. Some realizations that I've had, especially over the last several weeks, uh, one of them is that I've put myself under this unnecessary pressure to perform in the, what I mean by that is offering mentorship, coaching, uh, and putting a price tag to it, I, it doesn't align with me. It just doesn't. I mean, I'll answer everybody. I will support you through whatever, you know, you, you need. Um, and I'll request that you consider making a donation, but I'm not going to make you do that. And I'll be honest, I think that it's been a lot of things coming at me from different angles. On one hand, uh, my board member is saying I do need to pay myself. Otherwise, I'm going to burn out in combination with a lot of the social media content that I consume, which is like motivational. It's about being disciplined and uh, making a lot of money and how in order to be a high value man, what you need to do is be on your purpose and get your money up. And I that that just don't align with me. Um, I have the ability to make money. Uh, and I think that if this were working out for me, if I were to be able to put myself in a position to be the kind of person who will say, no, I'm not going to give you what you want from me until you pay me. If I were that kind of person, then maybe I'd be successful. Maybe I wouldn't, but I'm not going to be successful because I'm not that kind of person, uh, which brings me to the point of like what it means to be high value. I think in this space, considering um, if you're someone who is listening to me because you have herpes and you've just been following along uh, as a way of figuring out how to deal with this, if this podcast has been helpful to you um, and you are assessing where your value is, I think that it's important especially men. I know majority women listen to the podcast, but lately I've been coming across men who listen to the podcast, which I'm super thankful for. Um, and I want to like caution you as you consume content that is typically perhaps not really applicable to you. Um, when you hear phrases like 
high value man and what you need to do in order to do that. Like, don't let yourself be so easily influenced into thinking that you need to acquire more value is not a quantitative thing. I was talking to one of my buddies about this and we went into a long discussion about that because where the majority of people, if you were to ask 10 of uh, whoever you'd be attracted to, let's just use uh, heterosexual relationships as an example. As a man, women will expect you to make more money than them. They'll expect you to make a lot of money. And that would be a more attractive thing to them. So in that sense, you are high value if you make a lot of money to a person who values money. I hope that that makes sense. But the goal shouldn't be to become uh, someone who acquires more value in a sense of what you think the person or people that you want to surround yourself with find valuable. It's really about identifying where your value is. If you are somebody who makes a lot of money, then you inherently and you know, then you already have that value. Getting more of that isn't going to make you more valuable. I really think that this falls in line with the conversation that I've had on social media about what makes an alpha man or what makes a masculine man. And Ultimately, in asking the people that I asked, looking at the definition, going through uh, and looking at a lot of the content that I've consumed, what it what what continues to be consistent is an awareness and um, an awareness of where your strong suits are and having like a sense of self certainty. When you are certain in yourself, that is alpha for myself. I you can't have a conversation with me uh, without me breaking in some type of deep type of um, breakdown of some sort of anime. Uh, I talk about Attack on Titan all the time and how representative and how real that is to where we are right now in life. Like what the Titans represent, what the politics versus religion look like, how the media in that uh, the narrative and the media in that whole storyline. Like it is amazing. Uh, Death Note. I rewatched that recently um about halfway through and uh dragon ball z super gt all that you know all of these shows i'm watching i can't wait till black clover come back hunter 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 x hunter um i watched seven deadly sins i know that the uh the next generation of that is coming back i can't wait i'm watching bleach 1000 year blood war and um i'm getting sidetracked but see like even that i am so self-certain in my knowledge about the anime that I watch, I am so certain in myself about podcasting, about practicing yoga, about sexual health from a lens of uh, mental health. I am very certain in those areas. While I may not be able to go into a five-star restaurant, look at the menu, and feel confident in whatever I order, uh, look in the way that I expected to look or maybe even being able to like confidently pay that bill without wondering like, damn, it's probably about two, three months of rent right here. Right. That's not where my value is. It, that doesn't mean I don't have value because I'm not able to walk in there and be like, yeah, give me this expensive thing for everybody and rounds on me. That doesn't mean I'm not valuable. It just means that my value is not there. And I hope that 
as you listen to this podcast and you're making the connections about value and your identity for yourself, that you're able to disconnect from your value exclusively being in relation to your sexuality. Um, It's very important that we not do that. We can't allow for ourselves to lock so far into our herpes diagnosis and allowing that to be what we're here for. And then let that be the only reason that we stay because just as the show has evolved, I've evolved. And just how I've evolved, I hope that you have experienced some sense of evolution for yourself as well to where you can see your um, herpes diagnosis separate from your sexuality. So you can see your sexuality separate from what brings you pleasure, where you can see what brings you pleasure as separate from your identity. And when we when I talk about that, you know, identity isn't necessarily what you do, uh, what you have. It's not what your goals are, what your wants are. It's really how you exist. It's those intangible aspects of yourself. You can't touch my character. You can't touch my integrity. You can't touch my discipline. You can't touch my consistency. You can't touch my transparency. You can't touch any of these things about me. And when you allow for your uh, values, those, the, the, your identity really to be in alignment between your beliefs and your behaviors. I think that that's where we start to recognize what our own value is. And when we know what our value is, it's not a sense of being high value or low value. You're either aware of what your value is or you're not aware of what your value is. And what's interesting about human beings is that we are so good at being able to recognize and look at somebody else and deem them worthy of uh, a person of value or significance or importance. Whereas we don't see where we ourselves have that value or importance. And I think that's why a lot of people are here. A lot of people are here because... We've lost our sense of importance and our sense of value because it was so interconnected with our sexuality. And now we look up and we see how uh, our mental health is impacted by our STI status. And it's important to us that we figure out a way to navigate this and navigating this just really looks like learning how to navigate it. So the the navigation course is never going to be down the trajectory of what Courtney did. It's going to be little pieces and bits of what different people who've shared on this podcast have done that's worked for them. Or even if it hasn't worked for them, like you'll be able to learn from what their experiences were navigating their herpes diagnosis, how they've chosen to disclose their status, if they've chosen to disclose their status, how they've managed rejection, how they manage symptoms, how they go about um, getting what it is that they want, communicating with partners. All of these things can be found on this podcast as a way of giving you a little bit of a framework to potentially work into your own identity, your own style of dating and relating. Because when you get to a point where you are beginning to question where you belong and what your value is, and I'll give you an example. Um, over New Year's, I, this was something that happened to me. I found myself, I went out, we went to uh, a rave and I had a really good time. We just danced all night. I went with a group of friends. And then when we left, we went to an after party. It was a little bit later in the, it was late. It was just really late. And when we got there, I quickly kind of realized like something that I was doing that I didn't like. I was hovering around the people that I came with. And that's not typically like me, but I also just felt like I didn't have anything to contribute to the environment. And I won't you know, go into detail about the environment, but it just was one that I'm not, I didn't, it, I didn't not fit in that environment because I'm black. Just let me <laughs> put that out there right now. But 
uh, I recognized that I just felt like I didn't have anything to contribute. It felt like I didn't have anything valuable to contribute there. People there didn't want to talk about anime. Well, nobody there trying to talk about yoga. Well, nobody trying to talk about herpes. And I felt myself unable to, I wasn't, I'm not going to say unable to connect. I was unwilling to attempt to connect because it just didn't, it, the environment didn't fit for me. So I ended up leaving. And while I was walking, uh, I was walking home to the bus stop. I was walking home to the bus. I was walking to the bus stop to get home. And that's when I had that thought. I was like, wow, I had nothing to contribute to that environment in any way, shape or form. In fact, like I felt like I was taking from the group of people that I came with because I didn't have anything to contribute. And so it led me to question what is my value? Why didn't I have anything to contribute to that particular environment? Because another thing with uh, value is you can find yourself being of value in a space where there's no value for what it is that you uh, have to offer. So if I were to walk into um, a room full of executives, you know, talking about pop culture and they're there talking about business, you know, that may not be able to connect. Now there can be common ground when you're really good at conversations and when you have good people skills, you tend to be able to connect dots where dots typically are not connected. This wasn't a case for me. So as I questioned, you know, what my value was, I ended up journaling and that's where I got into this whole thing about questioning what value actually is. Um, and how I hear it, especially with a lot of the men's positive content that I'm consuming lately is to be a high value man, you have to blank and it's in relation to women. Now, if you've listened to a few episodes, it's been a lot of episodes back. Actually, I remember I was at a black men's wellness symposium and at this black men's wellness symposium, we brought up masculinity on the panel. And when masculinity came up, it immediately went to looking at it in relation to femininity. And that quickly turned into men and women, men do this, women do that. And that didn't help anything or anybody in the conversation. And it just really went sideways real fast. But that conversation from the panel made me realize that we don't know how to look at what it means to be masculine or what it means to be a man without its relation to the opposite. We use knots to get to a point. And when I say knots, I mean N-O-T. We will go through, well, a man is not this, a man is not this, because that's what the opposite of a man is, which is a woman. And we'll go down and we'll, we'll play that out repeatedly until we get to a place where we just get somewhere. I don't know what we get. I don't think that we ever really have an answer to it. But we get to a point where we just hit, we hit a stopping point, basically. And what I encourage is that we not look at masculinity or what it means to be a man from a lens of its opposite from femininity and women or its counterpart, however you want to address it, but to look at it from a lens of vulnerability. What is a man among men? What's a woman among women? What's femininity among femininity? What's masculinity among masculinity? How do we relate it to itself? And looking at my own experience, you know, I look at any of my masculine traits versus any of my feminine traits, and I try and look at them uh, themselves. And from a masculine perspective, looking at that from a lens of vulnerability, what I find myself uh, realizing is that the 
components of what it means to be a man and what it means to be masculine typically revolve around those uh, intangible aspects of myself that I spoke about. My discipline, my consistency, my um, my transparency, my uh, what was the other one that I said? Uh, the, the values that align for me within my truth of my behaviors and my beliefs. If you want to get to the core of whatever your truth is, look at what your beliefs are and figure out if they're um, in alignment with what your behaviors are. And if they're not, then you can begin to challenge your beliefs with what your behavior is. Because at the end of the day, you can believe whatever you want, but if you're acting in a way that defies those beliefs, that's hypocrisy. And that cognitive dissonance, the, the disconnect, like here's where you think, you know, you're, here's where you think you are. But on one hand, you have your behaviors and your beliefs. And if they're going two different directions, you got to look at that middle point. So um, getting hopefully back on topic, rewinding it back to um, first looking at what your masculinity, manliness is from a lens of vulnerability really means sitting with that. What does it mean for yourself to be a man when you're around other men? Are you still a man? Same thing with like dogs. You know, are you a pit bull around other pit bulls still? When you get around uh, other people who you think that you identify as, are you still that same person? Are you able to be that same person? Where's the consistency? Where's the inconsistency? Right. So uh, dialing that back to the value thing, I did not feel like my value belonged in the place that I was. So as I was leaving and I was asking myself these questions about value and the quality and the quantity of value, I was beginning to sort of compare myself to the content that I'm consuming. And there's a lot of YouTube creators right now that are really blowing up, speaking about men, speaking about value. And as I listen to that, I recognize again, just like I said in the beginning of the podcast, I really don't, I don't want to take people's money for helping them through like a really tragic and difficult time. And like, I allowed myself to convince myself that that was what I needed to do. Like if I want to keep running this podcast and it's nonprofit, that's what I need to do. But to be honest, like I, I guess I haven't had to, um, because one of the things that I journaled about, not my journal sitting over there, but I remember, um, asking a friend of mine, I was like, Hey, I'm stuck and I need help. And he asked me, he was like, what's your five year plan? And I was like, damn, dude, I don't I don't know. Like, I hate that question. I don't want to look five years into the future because every five years in the past has continued to look different. And I made it work. I made the five years that passed work out for where I'm at right now. It just happened to have worked out the way that it has. And I think that one of the fears that I have is planning and then being disappointed that it doesn't turn out the way that I want it to turn out. And that's a whole thing for myself. Like when I get excited about things, I find myself getting disappointed. It happens all the time. So I withhold my excitement until after the thing happens. It was after 2022 ended that I began to really celebrate and look at the fact that I was able to raise $30,600 for something positive for positive people. That was phenomenal, especially considering in 2019, I think it was only uh, $6,000 that uh, was raised. 
And with that, like people have been getting therapy. I have like, a structure now for what that looks like. Um, it's donation based therapy, donation based coaching. And that, I think that's just going to be consistently what the business model is. And that's just that's just that. And I'm happy about that. I'm happy to have seen how it unfolded, but it's so hard for me to plan for the future. I'm real good. I was talking to uh, my friend Carl today and we were uh, we were playing a game. We we're playing Call of Duty. That's really how we keep in touch. And he said, Courtney, one of the most adaptable niggas I've ever met in my life. And we were like laughing about it, but it's true. Um, I allow for my external circumstances to dictate my decisions, though. And that's that's. While on one hand, that's good, but on another hand, it keeps me from making decisions and then like looking for the opportunities that support that decision that I've made. Um, And that's what me making a five year plan has to do, because if I get it wrong, five years will have gone by and I didn't get it right. And looking back, there are a lot of five year decisions that I would have had that fortunately did not work out. Uh, One of which would be by the time I was 34 years old, like my dad had three kids already. I was 16 years old when my dad was 34 and I was thinking, I was like, damn, you know, I'm 34 years old and I would have had, let me would have had my five year plan. I'd have had five kids by now. (laughs) So for where I'm at right now, Fortunately, that didn't work out. But at the same time, if that were to have been me, then fortunately it would have worked out because it was a decision that I made. But I'm really working on not um, allowing for my external circumstances to dictate what decisions I make or the way that I make decisions. So part of that is um, laying out my five year plan and not being so adaptable necessarily, but being more structured and uh and, and having a decision made. So where this led me was looking at what I want and what I, what I want to do through something positive for positive people. And when I sat down and I was writing, I was like, okay, I really like having deep conversations. I like the podcasting component. I love being able to, you know, see people's light bulbs go off in their head when they come to me and they're like, how do I tell this person I have herpes? And I'm like, well, who are you? What, uh, what kind of relationship is this? How have you known each other? And you get to learn people and then begin to get them to tell you the best way that they should, uh, share their status with their potential partner. And when you hear, like I I told someone, I told her, I was like, well, you know, you're so worried about having all the answers. If this person says no, what if they say they have herpes too? Cause the reality is you're going to get one of three responses, meaning there's a 33.3% chance of rejection. You might hear no, you might hear me too, and you might hear tell me more. So the reality is 66.6 with the line over the top of it, percent of the time, you're going to get a positive response to disclosing your herpes status. And her head exploded over voice messages um, to have heard that for herself because you could tell she just hadn't thought it at all. Like that wasn't a possibility in her mind. And I have conversations like this fairly often and it just doesn't seem right for me to uh, like charge for something that's so simple, so quick and people get paid for their time. <laughs> this is funny. I'm saying this because I'm paying somebody, uh, on Friday. I, I think the money already cleared $250 for a one hour consultation on grant writing. And all that to say, I'm, I'm beginning to jump around a little bit too much, but, um, 
I enjoy those components of what I do. I enjoy that I get to travel to people sometimes and record podcasts. Um, I have board members and supporters all over the world. So I've got people that I can travel to and get to see like these different parts of the world. And I wouldn't trade that for anything. But that's what something positive for positive people gives me now and that's also what I want in the future so when I was writing I was journaling about this um, and I realized everything that I want from something positive for positive people I already have from something positive for positive people and so being able to get to a point where okay I can only do this or I can do more of this what needs to happen for me to be able to do that and the answer was be able to make money from it okay so this is and as I say it like there's a you know face palm duh Courtney situation happening in my head but the Oregon Health Authority gave me ten thousand dollars to run 10 12 podcast episodes why have I not at all sought out funding for my podcast because people were in my ear about um, when I was looking for grants in the past people would make it sound bad that I was looking for funding to run my podcast but this is so much more than just running my podcast because there's a lot that comes with it. I'm getting survey data from people who have lived experiences with sexually transmitted infections, dating with sexually transmitted infections, disclosing their sexually transmitted infection status, educating and informing their potential partners of their sexual transmitted infection status. And there's a lot there that can be integrated into STD prevention efforts as they exist. This can be something that changes the way sex education is done. It can be something that changes the way that um, uh, that a youth sex education is conducted, the way that uh, doctors are informing people of uh, sexually transmitted infections and stats and different means of um, allowing for yourself to practice safer sex with your sexual partners. And these lived experiences are just what we may need to offer an earlier integration uh, into STD prevention efforts that can literally decrease the constantly rising rates of STDs. I'm doing that. And really, I just need to get the money for it. And I've already done that. Like I've allowed for somebody to tell me, oh, it sounds like you just want money to run your podcast and make it sound like it's a bad thing. Yeah, because there's surveys that are coming with this. People's lives are being changed. I had a lady email me that she attempted to kill herself. And this was uh, today, actually today. Someone emailed me, uh, messaged me over Instagram. And she was like, you know, I'm very grateful for your content and Safe Sluts content. And um, this is what helped me or what got me through. And to, to hear stuff like that, like it, it feels like a little bit of a slap in the face to a person to say, oh, this helped you not kill yourself. All right, well, give me money for doing that for you. And it, it just doesn't sit right with me, um, especially now knowing that I have the potential of making, you know, I've done this. I've gotten $10,000 in a grant to run my podcast and get this information. 
someone else. Uh, there was a project that I was on where this person was able to get $20,000 for uh, a podcast series and it was going to be split half and half that ended up dying out for whatever reason, but it was awarded. Like I've seen it. The CDC gave, um, um, I don't know how many millions of dollars to an organization back home that serves people who are living with HIV back home in St. Louis. And I was supposed to be a part of that. That's a whole side story. If you listen to the podcast, you heard it before, but he was slapping the face there. Um, but there's money out there to be given to someone like me. And I've reached out to grant writers. I've like started conversations, asked questions, tried to figure out what I can do in order to best, uh, put something positive for positive people into, um, a good into a good situation to where uh, funding can come in and I can just do more of these things. I've been trying to do different things and that's probably been what the big problem is. The problem is that I tried to do so many things. I've been really reaching to therapy, reaching to the fact that this is a suicide prevention awareness resource, uh, working with other STIs, HIV, AIDS, HPV, chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, hepatitis. Uh, and I've tried to make this so much more than what it really is at its core. And at its core, what it is, is a resource for people to come here and learn about STIs and how they can take better care of themselves and their partners when it comes to sexually sexual health. And I now have put myself in a position like one night I couldn't sleep and I was just so restless. And I was trying to figure this out, like trying to figure out why am I restless? Is this burnout? Am I getting to the edge? Is it time to retire this? What? And it came through me. I was sitting down and I was, um, I didn't write. I was on my computer. I just grabbed my computer. It was about 3 a.m. And I just started typing. And what came out was that I'm doing everything that I want to be doing. How can I do everything that I want to be doing, continue doing it, and then be able to pay myself for it? That becomes what the question is. And so with that question being asked, it's come down to, I'm going to just have to do it myself. Going back to being an adaptable person, um, I've asked for help. I've asked for help for the last six years, like before I even knew what I was asking for. But at the same time, it's different when you don't know what you're asking for. And I think that that's kind of where I've been living in my feminine, just going with the flow of everything rather than putting my foot down and being like, yo, this is what we doing. This is what I need. And, you know, asking for it is one thing, but then being able to go out and make it happen is another. So that's I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here, you know, and I'm like, I don't want to have people pay me for this service, but here I am throwing $250 to this lady. Don't get me wrong. This lady has all the credentials and credibility to be able to give me this conversation, but I've also been getting guidance and stuff for free, which you get what you pay for. So I'm hoping that with this $250 for this one hour session that I have, that this lady's going to be able to give me something useful because I didn't already decided in my head Fuck it, I'm going to write the grant myself. I'm going to learn how to do grant writing, and then I'll just write it myself because I'm just not... Like, people tell me that they're going to help me or want to help me, and again, this is my own thing, but I don't let myself get excited about shit anymore because when I do, I end up disappointed. And that's kind of what the pattern has been for me is that everybody everybody want to help, everybody want to get involved. You know, I, I get that a lot, and it's probably best that I just do this shit myself because... When things go wrong, I'm accountable for it. Fortunately, nothing's gone wrong yet. And I want to first shout out um, to my the two interns that I've had, uh, one of which really 
helped me with the presentation that I had that I gave that went really, really well. And then the other one who's been on this survey, I don't want to say their names because I don't know that they want their name said. But shout out to y'all. If y'all listen to this, if y'all catch this, like I want you to know how appreciated y'all are because that showed me how much easier my life can be if I do have help. However, don't nobody want to come help when, you know, it's it's at this stage, you know, so fortunately y'all were able to get y'all internship hours. I was more than happy to sign off on those because of how much of, uh, how much y'all helped me. But aside from that, you know, people don't really have stake in this. And like, I, I, even when I have my board meetings, you know, I tell my board members like, Hey, you know, here's where we are. This is what's going on. This is what we're doing. This is what I want to happen. And, you know, everybody's very agreeable. Like no one is disagreeing with me and saying, Courtney, actually, you know, you should probably do it this way. That's not going to come until money start coming in. And then that's when people are going to have problems with stuff and I'm going to be mad and I'm going to be fighting with people and be like, no, like I built this to the point where it's at now, you know, ain't, ain't nobody have anything to say about it until now there's public attention and it's getting funding and things like that. And the reality is if I just learn how to do this shit myself, I'll be fine. Cause I'll get to continue to do things exactly as is. I don't need nothing. I, I looked at money wise. And if I just net $5,000 a month, I'm living like a King. <laughs> like I kid you not. Like I'm good. If I net $5,000 a month, I already did the math. That means I would need to bring in $80,000 a year. And at the end of taxes, uh, probably not insurance, but taxes for sure, I'll be able to, I'll be, able, I'll be good. And I think that that's really what I'm going to ask for uh, with this grant to start out, uh, depending on how much work goes into it. But I can run everything as is. If I've been doing it this long for free, like imagine what I can do with $120,000 over the course of a year. Now, granted, 65% of that would be what I could pay myself. Uh, I already did the math again. So that puts me at leaving the organization with roughly $40,000 to do what it needs to do. I'm going to be honest. People ain't beating down the doors of something positive for positive people for therapy. Right now, there are two people um, who are enrolled uh, consistently in donation-based therapy, um, and that's it, you know, or I can't even call it, I, I don't know that I should call it therapy, but wellness coaching, let's say that, and they're working with um, licensed mental health professionals who have experience working with people who have herpes, and that's what, I mean, that's what the donations are going towards, being able to support these people, um, as well as, again, like I get to go and do things and interview people in person from time to time, but outside of that, like, this is what recording the podcast looks like. I put a lot of time into this editing, um, going through and promoting it. And then I have to do random blogging and I have to do it in such a way to where it's not spam. I'm creating communities. I mentioned the, um, that there's a kink group that's on FetLife. If you want in on that, just shoot me an email or you can comment, message me, however you want to get in touch. Um, if that's something that you're interested in, but there's a lot of community relations management here, um, that I'm doing. And then while still trying to get in touch with the CDC to be like, yo, let's work together. I have access to this community. I have access to these resources. Like, why are we not collaborating? And, I can be honest, like, I think that there is no buzz created because the people who support me, the people who get the most out of me out of something positive for positive people have some people have 
but I can probably count on one hand how many people um, going on and supported by sharing the content or just raving about it and being like, yeah, this resource is amazing, but ain't nobody going to go out and be like, this dude, Courtney, saved my life through his podcast about herpes because then they're outing themselves for having herpes and that's a whole nother thing. But all of this to say, um, looking at the value component, oh, wow, I got way off, uh, looking at what it means to be or what your value is. I don't want to say high value because when I say high value, that means how valuable you are to other people. So when I say a person of value, it just means an awareness and recognition of what your value is. I recognize the value of my emotional intelligence, my emotional availability, my emotional support, because all of that goes into something positive for positive people. And it goes into it unconditionally to the point where like I the the conflict for me was, am I really going to withhold this from a person who needs this until they give me money? And I can't like people going to be disappointed in me for not doing it. But I think that it's more important that I really align with what is right for me. Um, the value of what I have to offer. Like I took these survey forms and people call it just invaluable, priceless. And there were also people who said I should be getting paid a hundred some dollars an hour for this. But, uh, I appreciate that by the way. Uh, but it just it doesn't align. And, you know, I'm, I right here is where I'll take that back and I'll take back what I've said in a few other episodes. You know, people maybe seem to be taking advantage of me, but I don't feel that way. I let other people make me think I felt that way. I think people are coming and are getting what they need and then they leave. If that means that this information results in them getting married, having children, having the kind of relationships that they want. Yay. And that's what it means to do this unconditionally, because all along the way, like I got a job now, two, three jobs now, and I'm able to support myself. And I haven't been able to support myself in a really long time. But fortunately, I've learned to reduce my lifestyle needs so low that even making twenty dollars an hour, like I feel like I'm balling, (laughs) like I I'm balling. Right. So. With all of that said, you know, I might be putting a lot less time in here because I like making money and I like traveling now, which was something that I've only started doing in 2021 when I started getting that unemployment. And when I got that unemployment, you know, a lot of it went into the nonprofit um, because I was paying for people to get therapy. And I wanted for that to be the um, I wanted to invest in something positive to be able to say hey we're getting people therapy this is what we're doing with their money this is our mission but i was also able to travel to these different support groups and like see how they operate and understand what value um people would be able to get out of them if i were to send them to these support groups right so now that i've been out like i got to go to germany for the first time last year and that was a personal trip i got to go with friends and i i can't get enough like i want to see more of the world and I got to work. Like I got to work more and make this money. So here I am doing a thing that makes me happy. It's a thing where I've identified my value. I've identified how valuable it is to the people that it's valuable to. And that, in a sense, is what makes me high value uh, from one perspective, because the herpes support community, the herpes support resources are very scarce and so having someone like myself who understands that 
and has an abundance of people's lived experiences, I think that that is something that makes me high value to other people. I don't consider myself to be a person of value because of my knowledge about herpes. I consider myself to be of value because of the emotional safety that I create for people to be able to come to me and be as vulnerable as they are and can be. And therefore, we're able to more so get to the core of what their herpes diagnosis represents a lot sooner. And because of that, that allows for us to get to the point a lot faster and we can get through all the bullshit and get to the core of what needs to be fixed. And that's that. Like I've developed this skill over time, time and time again. And that's what I've learned throughout my time in this space, that that's one thing that makes me a person of value. And I've been talking to uh, women uh who have spoken about like being with a high value man, somebody who makes a lot of money, but they don't have a lot of time. And I'll still say this unavailability is probably still uh, the most attractive trait that a person has. Like the less available someone is, the more attractive you are to them. I'm I'm a stand by that. Um, I'm open to having my mind changed, but I've recognized that where I've been most available, that attraction is dwindled and where I've been most unavailable attraction is increased. And this is just like my experience. It's something that, um, I have a friend who argued me on this, but we've got different sets of experiences. Um, but what these, what a few women have said is that like they've dated guys with money and it's just like, they don't have time. So you go from one extreme to the other, right? You balance out, um, you find balance by expanding and exploring the extremes. And so, you know, they speak about, you know, how valuable emotional intelligence is to someone who's dated someone who has so much money and not much emotional intelligence. So, I mean, for me, I like that I'm making money. I like that I'm able to do more shit for myself. I like that I'm able to put myself in rooms that I otherwise just haven't been in before. But again, I have completely decreased my standard of living in order to get to that point. This was the sacrifice that I made because I believe in what I'm doing. I believe in something positive for positive people. I believe in whatever it is that I put my hands on and commit to and decide that this is what I'm doing. So for me to be able to make that kind of commitment, like I have to believe in myself and believing in myself looks like trusting in what um, in my my strong suits. And of course, like working on my weak suits and the biggest insecurity that I've had has been my finances. I have been the most financially insecure person, but still somehow managed to move uh, across the country. I still managed to somehow be able to travel. I still somehow have been able to get around. I've still been able to feed myself. I've still been able to go to therapy. I've still been able to um, continue to work on myself. And part of working on myself has been running this podcast. It's been running this community. It's been dealing with my relationship to rejection by hearing no by so many people who uh, I've approached about getting funding and supporting the podcast and the nonprofit, asking people to be on it. I get rejected every time I ask y'all to leave a fucking review and a rating and some type of a testimony because people don't do it. I know how many people I actually I stumbled into the iTunes platform because I was setting up my other podcast self and I was like, oh, I didn't know iTunes had stats. It's like a thousand something regular followers of something positive for positive people. Somehow I think I got like a hundred, like low hundreds, uh, reviews. It's like, damn dude, like y'all can't just make a fake email address or use one that you don't use. And then just leave a review. I don't care if it's a shitty review, 
whatever it is, like it's a review, like help people find this. So just like leave a review. But anyways, keep getting sidetracked. Uh, the value thing. And I, I, I do believe that that's probably my most consistent, my most prevalent value, especially for where I am in life. Like I, yeah. And, and so my, uh, emotional awareness and intelligence. Um, and so I, I know that I can make more money and like, that's what I'm working on now because I like it. <laughs> you know, I used to be the kind of person who thought money's the root of all evil. And I've seen like when my grandmother died, I, I talk about my grandmother pretty often on the podcast when she died, she left insurance policies for, uh, her closest family relatives and everybody got like a decent amount of money. And I feel like that was a thing that, and decent is subjective. Um, I don't remember how much I got. It was less than 10,000, more than 5,000. Um, but with that, like I got to watch, you know, my family essentially like have this animosity toward each other for how much who got and where the money went, who was doing what with it and all those kinds of things. So I think that I've just had an aversion to making more than what I needed. And there's been a barrier there in my beliefs. Like I've still struggled with this belief system of if I have too much money, then it's going to tear me apart from the people that I care about the most is going to create this dissonance between my value of connection and then my ability to connect with people. And that's a belief that I've had to struggle with and I think that this is the first time I'm even really saying it out loud so now having gone to you know working for $20 an hour at the medical um, university hospital is all those things medical hospital university yeah um I'm I appreciate that shit (laughs) and like I sit on my ass I stay in the house for the most part unless there's like a thing that's happening I went to go see Kevin Hart, Dave Chappelle, Jack Harlow, Tyler, the creator. Um, I got to see Kendrick Lamar. Like I gotten to see, I've gone to like big concerts. Um, I seen Craig Robinson. I saw <clears throat> the comedian that does the, the Derek skits. Ah, why can I not remember his name? Oh dude, that sucks. Cause I want to shout you out, man. And I, I've, I've had, I've really enjoyed it. He's on TikTok. He does it, Derek. It's the he's got the wide mouth, closed in face, and he's like, oh, "Damn it, damn it, damn it." I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I hate failed shoutouts because it happened to me before. Where this guy, he had a bunch. He was on a big platform. He was like, "Yeah, there's a a brother with a podcast." I he interviewed me, and I forgot what it was. Uh, but anyway, and I was so hurt. Oh my god, I was hurt. So I'm gonna try to find it. I'm gonna link it in the show notes <laughs> so I can make sure you get your shout out. But, um. I do things. I do less of them. I drink significantly less uh, when I go out. Like I'll go to business stuff. Like if we're going to be talking business, if it's going to be me taking out a podcast guest or somebody who has an opportunity to present me with an opportunity, then that's different. But I sit my ass down. I play this PS4 with my friends when they get on. I'm doing these podcasts. I'm trying to find creative ways of going about getting funding. I'm looking for conferences to speak at and opportunities. And that's what I'm doing. Like when I stopped going out to eat and I stopped drinking, like I meet people less. Like I, I would like to be more social. I would like to have more dates. I would like to have a relationship, but I, 
these are just the sacrifices that I got to make. And I recognize that and it's, it's cool. <laughs> like, uh, but the things that I do get to do, I'm very excited about. I'm very pumped about. Um, and yeah, like these are the opportunities that, um, I don't know why I said these are the opportunities. I feel like that was a filler, uh, for me to transition into something else that didn't even make sense. But what I'm trying to, how I'm trying to close out this point is I went from not knowing what my value is. And I just walked you through how I began to ask those questions and figure out what the answer is among all of this easy influence, you know, coming into our ears, into our spaces and figure out like what's mine. And can ain't nobody necessarily told me, Courtney, your most valuable trait is your emotional intelligence. Ain't nobody tell me I figured that shit out on my own. And <laughs> the world will remind me that I ain't got no money. <laughs> but I mean, I can't even say that. Like, I, I don't let myself say that because I know that I'm in the position where I, I do make money. And I got friends around me who like when they talk about money, they, I, I just be quiet. It don't be like, oh, I only made this much money this month. And I'm like, damn. You trying to make a donation, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's not a, I mean, if you want to donate to something positive for positive people, you can, my donation, um, the donation platforms are Venmo cash app, uh, all Courtney brain, just one word. And if you put donation in there, I'll know that you're not just sending me money. So just be sure to differentiate by doing that first off. Um, and yeah, if you have donations, like everything that you give to something positive for positive people is tax deductible. Um, so what that means is over the course of the year, however much money you donate, you can write off on your taxes. So if you make $50,000 a year and you hit a tax bracket where you're going to pay more in taxes, you can write off X amount to put you back into a lower bracket so that you pay less taxes. So essentially your donation can save you money from getting taxed. I don't know if I'm not supposed to say that, but it's a thing. Um, so, yeah, um, identifying your value, detach your value from your herpes diagnosis and begin to look at your sexuality, not in relation to the reproductive counterpart or the person that you want to have sex with and their anatomy. But look at it, you know, as what it means to yourself. When I look at my own sexuality, what sex represents to me is a form of intimacy. It represents connection. Connection is something that I deeply value. I value myself as being a connector. Nothing excites me more than when I get uh, a few, when I make a new connection for people. If there are two people around me that I know will get along well, like bringing them together, just sitting back in the cut, being like, oh, look at them getting along. Like, nothing excites me more than that. Um, but my relationship to sex is uh, like a substitute for joy and pleasure and connectedness. And that is something that is important to me. And I speak so often about identity validation and my identity as a connector is validated through sex. It's validated when I have the opportunity to connect with people. It's validated when I get to have these intimate conversations like my identity as a connector is constantly being um massaged so to speak because this platform exists people randomly find it people randomly reach out to me and we're able to connect i'm able to connect them with communities and that's really what this is about for me and this is all through my value as an emotionally as an emotionally intelligent man um utilizing my masculine energy of getting shit done and that's 
me. Like that's what I that's what I do. This is what I'm doing. And uh, I think I did get a little bit disconnected from that for a minute because I was feeling stuck. And I mentioned being up till 3 a.m. until I wrote down a plan. And when I wrote that plan down and began to identify my value, I got to see, okay, this is what I'm doing already. So now it comes a point of, okay, I want to make money now doing this. Here's how I can go about doing it. And I don't want people to have to pay me for my time to have a brief conversation with them. Because oftentimes, like, it's good after one conversation. So I'm not going to, you know, do what I put on the website. Like, I know there's people who charge, like, out the ass for coaching sessions for an hour of their time. And that just ain't me. And I'm I'm tired of acting like it is. Like, I'm tired of letting all these external influences and shit like cloud my judgment and make me act on behalf of some artificial ass beliefs that just came off of social media. So I've been watching my social media consumption lately. Like I, I try to jump on and just check on other people, check on some people that I've DM, uh, people that I've stayed in contact with. But uh, someone reached out and they were like, hey, I haven't seen you post in a while. Like, are you OK? And I just I, I realized I. I really don't have much to, uh, I don't, I don't get much from social media anymore. Like they've already started muting a lot of my posts because of the content. And like, I'll watch somebody fake get dick down doggy style to some popular TikTok music with a caption of like, Oh, when he giving you back shots and dot, dot, dot. But then I can't show you what two different size condoms look like. So, you know, the fit for, uh, your condom size like so you know what your condom size is like I can't put water in a condom and show you the difference in sizes so it, it's it's annoying it's frustrating uh, so there's been like less of a reason to post or be on social media at all really lately um, but I get on there I'll always read my messages and my DMs and I'll still share the screenshots where it's appropriate of course um, but for the most part like that's that's it you know um, I'm going to be working on learning grant writing. Hopefully after I talk to this, uh, this person on Friday, uh, we're going to connect. I'm going to give them a run through of what my business is and figure out what I need to do in order to, uh, begin applying for these grants. My damn self, cause don't nobody know something positive for positive people like me. And I will say that it feels great to know what I want to do and have that sense of direction to be able to write a grant to get my podcast funded and be able to take in surveys as I interview guests uh, to get the information that would be useful to uh, STD prevention efforts because I, I, I feel like we're at a point where we can change it now. I've been doing this for six years. It's been a nonprofit for three and it's really time that, you know, this money that's being pumped in all these STD prevention programs that are still increasing STD rates and um, infections like nothing's being done nothing's happening that's different and so here I am you know with y'all support thank y'all for trusting me with your identities and uh, for giving me the content to be able to put together all these cases for me to be able to go to organizations like the CDC the National Coalition for STD Directors the American Sexual Health Association as well as the National Coalition for Sexual Health and be able to say hey here's what people who are living with STIs are saying like the biggest shock is that um, one of this isn't the biggest, but the number of people who have attempted suicide after their herpes diagnosis, like for this survey, three percent, there were three percent of the people who attempted suicide, 30 something percent uh, have had suicide ideation. So you can't sit up here and tell me that sexual health isn't 
interconnected with mental health. And if we look at stigma, we know that that has a heavy impact on it as well. So this is important to me. Like I've found my purpose and like I'll die doing this shit until further notice until there's a day where it's like, all right, Courtney, there is no more need for what it is that you do. Everyone's been cured of stigma. Herpes has a cure, whatever the case may be. You know, when we get there, all right, cool. I'll apply this on to something else. I keep working my $20 hour job and then I'll be able to stack my money up, travel the world and do other different things. And like, hopefully with the friends that I made, through something positive for positive people so I can travel for cheap. Um, but yeah, all of this has come from me just recognizing my value and it's not a high value. Other people deem your value as high or low or significant or insignificant, but it's really on you not to raise your value, but to become aware of what it already is. So when you begin to do that for yourself, understand that you're becoming a person of value. It's not about you being um, high value or low value. You know, you're a person who's aware of what their value is. Let me say that. I don't mean to say a person of value. Everybody has their own inherent value. Others may see it, but it's so important that you see it for yourself and that you put yourself in opportunities to win because you know your value. Put yourself in that space. My value is as valuable as it is. Like, I'll try to bring this into relationships. That shit don't work. It don't work in relationships. It works in the, from a business perspective. It, it works this way. It works as an advocate. It works in the nonprofit sector. It works in uh, coaching people. It works in getting people to open up and be honest with themselves. But I'll tell you what, man, that, that shit don't work in dating. <laughs> so... Uh, I found mine. I hope that this is something that helps you with finding yours. And if you are interested in self-development, self-help, um, I have another podcast called Self, S-E-L-F-E-D. And what you'll find on there is that it's really self-help through the self-reflections and experiences of other people who've gone through some form of adversity and then gone through a process of going, getting through it. Excuse me. And then sharing their reflections on it. So they've made the mistakes that you don't have to or they made them, you know, and you can take whatever lessons you want from that. I'm always, I'm looking for guests now. Uh, I actually did this in 2021 and I stopped uh, just because I felt like it was getting too personal. And what ended up happening was when I went to remake it, I recorded with a friend. I talked about what I wanted to go into. And part of that conversation was speaking about value, which I'm going to record uh, right after this one. And with that, <laughs> I went on to Spotify and I saw that the podcast was still there, even though I deleted every trace of it off the Internet. So this vulnerable thing where I share my own personal experiences for 36 podcast episodes talking about my challenges in dating, uh, processing therapy and different situations that I was dealing with during 2021 and what you'll hear if you do go listen is you'll hear where I was in that moment and hear that right now I'm exactly where I said I would be so it's real cool to have gone back and listened through some of those episodes and seeing that I'm a man of my word like I did exactly what I said I was going to do that feels really really good so um, yeah, and you can check that out. There will be more of my own personal opinions on there rather than being as objective as I have been over the years for something positive for positive people. So check that out. Um, it'll be at CourtneyBrain.com, which is also a new website. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's been going on over here, but I want to just keep this relevant to the show's content. Please, please, please identify your value. Look for it for yourself. Identify where you are most uh, 
validated in your identities. All right. Um, please like, rate, review, share, subscribe to, and donate to something positive for positive people. Um, I hope that there will come a day very soon where I just have grants and I'll be able to have more high quality recordings and I'll be doing surveys and get more guests on here. Like I have a real solid vision now for what this is going to look like in the future. So continue to stick around and, uh, yeah, I will talk to y'all later until next time.